I invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians 6 and in verse 4. I want to go for Ephesians 6 and verse 4 is what we're going to, we're going to camp, but, well, we're actually going to move around a bit, but that's our text. I want to begin reading in verse 1. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. God, this morning we desperately need your Holy Spirit to open your word of truth before before us, Lord. And I ask, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to open our hearts to your truth. Lord, I pray that you would guard what is being said today, that we may say only that which ought to be said, and that we would refrain from saying what ought not to be said. We ask for the Holy Spirit to minister into our hearts that these truths may abide in us. We may abide in you and your word may abide in us. And we may be able to live, Lord, as a first fruit of your creature. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been in this verse for some time, uh, I realize that four messages, five messages, whatever it is out of this verse is probably a lot, but uh, it is so packed full. There is so much here that uh, I, I want to conclude today in this verse, but there's so much that comes into this passage. We begin at the beginning of the book of Ephesians, with God planning salvation. God choosing. God predestinating. God sending Christ. Putting all of things into Christ's hands. Giving our life into Christ's hands. We find in chapter 2 where we were dead in trespasses and sins. We walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air. And by grace we were saved through faith. It was not of ourselves, it was a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We come to chapter 3 and we, and 4, and we begin to see the outworkings of the Spirit that has been put within us. The fruit of the Spirit being displayed. And in the church, how we should conduct ourselves and what the church is to be about. Church is to be about the ministry of the gospel to the lost and to the saved. The gospel includes how to live in accordance with God's word. That's what he came to do. He came to, to, to destroy the works of Satan and to raise up a godly generation for him, his own glory. We come to chapter the end of chapter 5 and into chapter 6, and we see here how that it, the gospel reaches into the homes. 
and begins to teach us how we should love our wives as husbands and how wives should respect and honor their husbands and submit to them. And we come to this passage in chapter 6, we have the children, how they are to obey their parents as in the, in the Lord, because this is right. In fact, it's the first commandment that was given with a promise. Brother Glenn shared with the children about the third commandment. Am I right? Was it the third commandment today? This is the fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you that you may live long on the earth which the Lord your God, in the land which the Lord your God shall give you. That was his promise to the children of Israel. That promise today is still in effect in regards to the blessings of God. Those who, children who honor their parents and love their parents and obey them as children will find themselves being trained in a manner that will actually prolong their life on the earth and will bless them with many blessings. Uh, most of which say, if, they, if their parents are in the Lord, it will bless them with having a godly heritage that they can look back to and thank the Lord for. Now we come to four. And he talks to us fathers, in particular. Fathers, and this word fathers actually can be used in the New Testament as parents. He says, do not provoke your children to wrath. There are multiple ways we could do that, and we've went over that. Uh, sometimes it's threatening and not doing anything about the threats that we make. Sometimes it's commanding our children and being hard on them to do something and we ourselves won't do the same thing sometimes it's it's literally just abuse that comes into our home because we because fathers overstep their place of authority god gives us authority and he gives us authority for a reason and that is to lead our families and to teach our children and to train our children after him and when we abuse that authority, we actually drive our children away from him and away from us. God designed the home so that we would be able to teach to the next generation the good things of God. And so when we, as we look at this passage, we, had, we want to uh, look at these two words. He uses the word nurture. And he uses the word admonition. Nurture has to do with providing structure, providing a, a place for the teaching to fit. One of the rules of teaching is that if you're going to teach someone something, you have to have a way to control their behavior. You know, I have tried to teach in a prison where they sat down in chairs just like this here. And there was about 80 to 100 men in that room. And it was chaos. And I couldn't get it settled down. I couldn't control their behavior. The guard was gone. And they kept trying to hound me with things that, that, that were just weird questions out of the Bible just to try to throw me off. And while they were doing that, there was, they were having a powwow with their buddies on the back row. And I spent that whole time trying to nail down question after question after question and really got nowhere. You come here this morning and you're listening. There's a control to your behavior. 
And so you're teachable in that way. So if we're going to teach, there has to be a place to teach. If we're going to, if we're going to show forth the things of God, there has to be made, room made. If your children are not going to sit down while you teach them the things of God at home, if they're not going to sit down and listen, then you have to provide for a way for them to listen. And it's literally, as we talked about the last message, it's laying down tracks in their life so that the Word of God can be put on those tracks and their minds can be put on those tracks and they can run that, that way of righteousness before the Lord. That's what it means to train your children. That word nurture has to do with training, has to do with active discipline. Bringing our children to, to a place where they don't just do whatever comes to their minds to do, but that they actually have a conscience about what God has to say because daddy and mama are saying, you don't act like this. You act like this. It gets very practical. But now we come to the teaching. And we must add to our discipline teaching. And this is as much about teaching the parents as it is about teaching the children. So I want to, uh, as we look at this word admonition here that's used, it is the Greek word nuthesia, nuthesia. And it means admonition or exhortation, calling the mind to attention about a matter, a pleading or an urgent teaching, a directive or a, even a mild rebuke is included in that. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11, I'm going to just read that to you. It says, Paul here is looking back at the, at the children of Israel coming through the wilderness, and he says this, to them. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. God was not swinging and missing when He talked to the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness. That same word, that same commandment, those same commandments, that same way in which God asked them to walk with Him and to hear Him and to fear Him, to obey Him, it passes on down through the new covenant and to us today. And, and brothers and sisters, let's just be honest with it. We have our next generation sitting here among us. And it is our responsibility to teach them the things God has given us. We are going to be held accountable one day as parents for what we have done with God's word in regards to our children. But God doesn't leave us in the dark. He doesn't leave us with, without help. He doesn't leave us with just a, a vague picture. Let's, let's turn to Deuteronomy 9. We're going to look at several scriptures in the Old Testament here. But come with me to Deuteronomy 9. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 6. I had the wrong passage. Deuteronomy 6, we're going to go through verses 1 through 9. I believe that, well, for the, for the title for this message, it is, it is a continuation in the series of, of the gospel in our homes. But uh, titled this one, Bring Up Your Children in the Admonition of the Lord. We talked about the nurture of the Lord last time. We, this is about the admonition of the Lord. 
Beginning in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 9. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, so, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God has pro- as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." What is God telling the, 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 His children here? We notice as we look here in verse 1, the, the teaching here is a commandment from God. These are, Moses is saying, these are the things God has given me to teach you. He says, this is not my opinions. These are not my things that I would like to see you do. These are God's things that He has laid on me to teach you. So, By extension, He's teaching us today. He's telling us. One of the things I want to, I hear hear objections to this is, well, that was the Old Testament. That was the Old Covenant. Well, let let, let, let me just say this. It was the Old Covenant. But when Jesus introduced the New Covenant, He actually stood on the shoulders of the Old Covenant and went higher. He went deeper. He said, not only are you to do this, but I want to give you a heart to do it. I want to give you a mind that is a mind of the Spirit. I want to teach you how you can do this. It's not an abstract thing. It's not actually not difficult to understand. We talked about our children needing to be, our, our, our children needing to have their behavior controlled so that they can be taught. Parents need their behavior controlled so they can be taught. So that they can teach their children. It's a, it's a passing down. It's a passing on. And so this comes to us as parents in a very pointed way. As well as to the children. Let's go. Let's look at what he says. It's included that they know the commandments. These are the statutes. These are the commandments of the Lord your God. And God said it, not man. It's also... The, 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 not only is it commandments, but it's statutes, which are practical applications of the statutes. It's taking it and making it mine. You know, it's one thing to say, you shall not murder. But when I take and apply that, as Jesus said, I should apply it. He also said, you shall not hate your brother. You know, I've got to, I, I, it's easy for me to look out here, out here and tell the criminal, you shouldn't murder. God says you shall not murder. 
But what about the murder in my heart? That's hatred for my brother. You see, you see how this applies. If you just take the abstract commandment and you hold it out there, it doesn't bite very hard. But when you take the statutes and you apply it as Christ wants us to apply it, it cuts into our souls, doesn't it? That's what he wants to do. He wants the word of God to find a place in our hearts. He wants his truth to be there. It also included the practical applications. It included the limits and the law that, laws that God imposes. The way God tells us to deal with the things that come up. It also includes the really, to really understand uh, the judgments have to do with uh, the discernment that goes with it. That you can discern what is right and wrong. You know, later down the, down, years later after they had disobeyed God for so long, what was one of the problems God said they had? They called what was evil good and what was good evil. He said, so I'm asking you to teach your children diligently because I want them to have discernment down the road just as I want you to have discernment now. We lack discernment in the church across America today. And it's because the law of God is not taught. The word of God is not brought to bear on our hearts. And we're not teaching our children. And I believe that we're going to be held accountable because we have the word of God so freely here. And there's freedom yet to teach our children and to train them. The Bible, verse number two, Bible, Bible teaching done right will instill a proper reverence for God. Notice he says that you may fear the Lord in verse two. To keep all his statutes. That word fear is a proper reverence. Brother Glenn talked about that with the children this morning. That they would fear him. That, that, that fear is not the terror of Mount Sinai. Where they ran away from him and still did their evil deeds. A fear is a respect that turns our hearts to him and says. I cannot violate the goodness of God. I cannot violate God's Word. It's a fear that, that brings a respect that I must find myself submitting to His authority in my life. Well, not only that, not only is it taught, but reverence is caught, friends. If Daddy isn't reverent, Junior probably won't be either. If Mama doesn't respect God, her children won't either. There's a reality of, of what is caught. What is actually, they, they catch your attitudes. They catch what you, the way you look at things. The way I look at things. We have that old saying, more is caught than taught. And there's a lot of truth to it. The proper fear of God in parents will have a positive effect on generations to come. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you, my, I can look back at my granddad on my dad's side of the family who grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a rough setting where he was actually abused as a boy. 
in, in some ways. Beaten many times, hollered at, and scolded and unnecessarily, treated harshly. And God saved him. And when God saved him, he changed the course for his children. He wasn't perfect. He had his times when he would get angry. He had his times when he would do things that he, didn't, he, did, he would regret, but he always came back and he'd say, I'm so sorry that I did this. It was not his heart to do that. You see, a proper fear of God, he got a fear of God in his heart at a young age. His dad passed away at 21 and he had to call out to God for help. He stayed at home and helped his mother through difficult times, uh, the difficult times after the Great Depression. And all I'm saying is, when I look at his generations that come after him, versus some of the ones that, in his generation, that did not have the fear of God, there's a vast difference. And, and maybe you young people don't, you, you, you're at a place right now where you're friends with people who don't fear God. But I will tell you, the older you get, the further apart you will be in the way you live. If you don't fear God today, you're going to find yourself apart from those that do. And the longer it goes, your children and their children will not have much in common. They shouldn't. Because the fear of the Lord, my friends, is what brings men to, to a, a worship of Him. I want your children to worship the Lord. You must fear God. You must fear God. Haphazardness concerning the fear of God. Carelessness about God. Carelessness about His Word. A lack of carefulness and a lack of caring is actually going to produce generations of not being able to fear the Lord. They will not see God as someone they respect either. They will judge Him as harsh and cold. You see in verse 3 of this chapter, Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. We've got to hear and observe before we can teach. That has to come home to us before we can teach it to our children. And that's what Paul is saying there. You are to bring them up in the nurture and admonition. It's one thing to teach your children. You know, I can teach my boys how to build mini barns. That's one thing. But teaching them in the admonition of the Lord is something greater and more difficult. Something that requires me being submitted to the admonition of the Lord. It requires me being humbled before God. <coughs> what good is my teaching to my boys and my daughter if I myself am not obeying what I am teaching? So that's why he says, he says that you may fear the Lord, that you are to be careful to observe when you respect it, when I respect the Lord, we're careful about what we do. We want to observe what we do. We want to look at what we're doing. We want to pay attention to what's going on. And we want to think about 
where we really ought to be going and where we want to go. Verses 4 to 5, he says this, Hear, O Israel, and this is what is called the Shema. Hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, and with all your strength. This, this, this commandment is the essential one of all. If you don't hear anything else that gets said today, Hear this one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I'm going to tell you, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, you will teach your children. There will be a compulsion within you. You must teach your children. And not only that, you will have, you will have a command, not only a direct command from God, but you will have within you a, a, an understanding of how to teach your children. Diligent teaching, friends, is essential. Go back to, go to verse 6. And these words which I command you shall, today shall be in your heart. They need to be in your heart first, in my heart first. And then you shall teach them diligently to your children. They must be in us so that we can teach them diligently. When I do something diligently, I do it with purpose. I do it with intent. I do it with consistency. You do it with a a drive to do something. And I can see where I I have missed the boat many times on this. But that's the call from God that you teach them diligently. That means that the Word of God is literally to be your table talk. It is to be the talk of your house. It is to be that which you communicate to your children with on a regular basis. It is when you, notice what he says, talk with them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, that's every area of your life. You're getting up in the morning. Talk to your children about the Lord. You're you're in your house. You're relaxing. Pick up the Word of God and open the Word of God and teach your children. You're you're, You're going about your business of life and you're walking by the wayside. Talk about the Lord. You're ready to go to bed. Talk about the Lord. This is not just come to Sunday morning and everything's fine and dandy and you go home and that's the end of it. There are too many other things that have kept us from talking daily, diligently to our children about the Lord, teaching them the ways of God. Verses 8 to 9. Says you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You're supposed to use, you shall use them as frontlets before your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your gates. Meaning that you need constant, you and I, we need constant reminders. The word of God needs to be like a reminder to us constantly. You know, I, I appreciate 
When I come into your homes, and what do I see on the walls? I see Scripture on the walls. It's a reminder that every time you walk past that with your duties, whatever you're doing, that you see that Scripture and it's a reminder that this is what God says. This doesn't mean that you have to do things a certain way, but it does mean that we are to keep it such a priority that we want to be reminded and we want to remind our children. This is what God has done. This is who He is and this is what He says. I want to ask you this morning, do you fear God and love Him with all your being? This is the first commandment, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It includes every facet of your being. He, uh, he has created every facet of your being. He owns every facet of your being. And you're just simply loving Him. You're turning around and worshiping Him with your being. Do you believe that God's going to keep all His Word? That He's going to keep all His promises? And that he's going, His judgments will come to pass? Do you believe that? Do you believe that there's a narrow way and a wide way? Do you believe that, that there are specific things that are in the wide way and there are specific things that are in the narrow way? Are you teaching your children that? Do your children know that if I go out here and I do that, I am walking in the broad way? Do they understand that there's, that there's, there's a... There's a there's objective truth here. I want to ask you today, are you pursuing God's will for your life so that you and the generation to come will fear Him? One of the things that Hebrews tells us is that Joseph, by faith, by faith, he dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob. How did he, how, how, what, how, what did that mean? I don't know what all that meant, but he, 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 dwelt, he grew up with his grandfather Isaac and with his father Jacob. Somehow he learned to know them. And it was just from being with them, from living with them. And God has given us our children so that they can live with us. And they live with us for a time and they leave us. But that time that they've spent with us should be so full of God and His Word and their fear of God should be so implanted in their hearts that that time never leaves them, though they spend more time away from our home in their lives than they do with us. That's what God's telling them. You see, what He says, if we look further down in, the verse, in, in this chapter, which we're not going to, he says, I'm, I'm fixing to bless you with, with things you did not earn. You're going to be overcome with blessing. But be careful. Because when you turn away from me, all the curses that, that I'm going to pronounce upon you, all these blessings will be taken away. And you will live in poverty and in misery and in slavery. Because, I'm, because you disobeyed my word and you would not teach your children to obey me. How far, my friends, today are we from becoming a, nation, a, a generation 
that abandons the Lord completely. Probably one to two generations. And that ought to put a seriousness of life into our thinking. We're not guaranteed that we will always have things right now the way they are. And unless, my friends, we obey God and we, and we by faith, teach our children, the next generation, this book will be a cloudy book to them and they won't know how to stand on it and the next generation will turn away from it completely. We can't love God enough to, pre- to save our next generation. We can't. But if we don't serve Him with a true love, we may be the reason the next generation forsakes Him. Unless we serve God with a true love, we might be the reason the next generation leaves Him. This is serious. Nothing drives away our children faster than hypocrisy. And I want to ask you, fathers, are you purposely filling your mind and your heart with God's Word as much as possible? Sometimes we have to quit doing things so we can do better things. Sometimes better things have to be pushed aside so the best can be done. We've got to set priorities. And God is simply saying, if, you're, if you love me, I need to be the priority. If He's not, our children know it. If He's not, we're going to have a hard time convincing them that the God that we serve is the true God. Not only should we teach them diligently, But friends, we should teach them lovingly. Turn with me to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Again, I I don't know how... I I don't like doing what I'm doing today in a a sense. Excuse me. Because I like to stick with the text I come with. But... Because so much of the Scripture speaks into the nurture and admonition of the Lord, there's so I have to go to those Scriptures. I have to get out from the passage a bit. Psalm 32, beginning in verse 8. Let all the earth fear... I'm sorry, I've got the wrong... Verse 30, chapter 32. says, I will instruct you and teach you In the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule which have no understanding. Which must be harnessed with bit and bridle. Else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But he who trusts in the Lord mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice you righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright of heart. This is really a blessed passage. It teaches us something about the heart of God when He's teaching us. 
He says, I will instruct you. God is, is saying that I want to teach you. But he says, I don't want you being like the horse or the mule who must have external force put to their mouths in order to make them obey. How does God say he wants to guide us? It's with his eye, he says. It's the look. It's the face of God. The Hebrews had, a, had the term the face of God. It's part of their blessing. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. God says, I want to guide you with my goodness. I want to guide you with mine eye, with my love. I want my, I want my face to shine upon you so that when you disobey me and my face is not shining upon you, that immediately you know I have wronged God. I've done wrong here. I need to repent. It is the goodness of God that leads us to that place, friends. It's the goodness of God that helps us to overcome sin by coming back to Him and repenting. And listen, I'm going to tell you, it's the same thing for your children. If you're going to be teaching your children, you need to teach them with love. Even discipline, even when it has to be strong discipline, needs to be in love, not in wrath. Teaching must be in love. It must be about the good that will come forth from this teaching. You see, when we were children, we didn't know everything that was good for us. My dad had to discipline me because I didn't do or know what was right for me. And God gives us children that don't know what's right for them. And he asks us to bring them up in his ways and to teach them and to train them so that they will walk with him. Ultimately, they're not, we, they're not in our homes to be our slaves. We teach them to work. We teach them to be servants. Teach them to have uh, hearts of, of gratitude and service, but we're, they're not our slaves. They're not here just to do our bidding on everything. We're here training them so that when they leave, they will affect a world out there that we can't reach. There's a world out there that needs to be affected that, that the next generation needs to touch that we can't touch. And so I, I, I tell you, friends, that if you're going to, to teach and train your children the way God wants you to, you must know the blessing of God and you must convey that blessing of God. If all your children know is, is law and order and no love, they will not be convinced that you serve the God of heaven. The God you're convincing them is a God you made. The God of heaven is a God who shines His love upon His children and blesses them with many blessings. Let's notice what this looks like. Verse 10. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. The wicked don't understand what it means to have God's blessing on them. When you talk to them about God, it's like a, bringing a curse upon them because God is not shining His blessing upon them. 
They don't know what it means to love God with their whole heart. They don't have an understanding of His of what it means to give themselves completely to the Lord. Our children need to know what that looks like. They need to see it in daddy and mama. They need to know that out there, there is no place. There's no room for God. And what does that mean? They have many sorrows. They have many troubles. Verse 10 says, But he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Your children need to know the mercy of God. Them being saved from their sins is the mercy of God. Them knowing Christ and walking with Christ and experiencing love in the home is a mercy of God. I talk to men all the time who did not have a loving upbringing. Their dads were angry. Their moms were manipulative. And they just grew up. They don't want to know God. I see it every day. They have sorrows that you and I could not imagine. They have grief upon grief upon grief. And yet it doesn't turn them to the Lord. We ought to weep for somebody like that. And God forbid that our unwillingness to teach our children would turn them out to that world at the mercy of unbelievers. God wants us to understand, friends, that when they know the truth, They have found the mercy of God. There's great rejoicing there. Notice verse 11. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, you righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright of heart. Listen, my friends. We want our children to know the truth we've experienced, and we want them to embrace it as theirs. And so, my friends, we need to be guided by the eye of God. Not only does God always shine blessing upon us, but when He disciplines us, He gives us, we used to call it the hairy eyeball, in a sense. The stink eye. The, the sternness. As a Christian even, as a, as a believer, as a child of God, there's times that come in our lives when He, he deals, us, deals with us sternly. Not because He hates us, but because He's turning us. He loves us. Because He wants there to be rejoicing in righteousness. And friends, we ought to be shouting for joy. That our God loves us this much. That He will shine His face upon us to bless us in accordance with His Word.
Well, lastly, we're going to do this quickly here. Turn with me to Psalm 78. Not only must teaching be done diligently, not only must it be done in love, but it must be done to preserve righteousness to the next generation. Psalm 78, and let's begin in verse 1. Give, o ear, my peop- give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their generation, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare to them their declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Well, number one, this man, Asaph, who wrote this, this psalm, he is standing in a line of faithful men. He can look back to his fathers. And he says, incline my ear, oh, you, give ear, oh, my people, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I'm going to tell you the dark sayings of old. And why did he, why was he able to tell them the dark sayings of old? He stood in a line of men that went back to his forefathers that were telling him the things that God had done back in the days where we were just reading in Deuteronomy. What God had done to bring his people out of the land of Egypt and establish them in a land, houses they didn't build, wells they didn't dig, crops they didn't plant, an abundance above and beyond imaginable. And he says, I'm going to... I'm going to tell the next generation because my fathers have been telling me about this God. And I want you to listen to me because what they're telling me is the truth. Listen, <clears throat> this is a right way for the gospel to be passed down. It is where the fathers tell their sons, they teach their sons, and these sons teach their sons, and that son teaches his sons, and it goes on and on and on, and the and the generations to come know what God has done. Do you realize there are men my age in this, that grew up in this country called America who went to church and they don't know what this Bible says. There is not a faithful generation of men passing this word down. And handing it to the next generation. And giving them an understanding of the truth. This man, he's standing in a line of faithful parents. His parents and grandparents taught him about God and His law. Verse 4, he's not willing to hide it 
from his children. He said, I am not going to hide. I'm going to declare. I'm going to expose everything I know about the gospel to my children. That's what he says in verse 4. We're going to tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. And how he established the testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make known to their children. Verse 6, that the generation to come might know them. That the generation to come might know them. And then we have the children who would be born. That they might know them. That they may arise then and declare it to their generation. That they may set their hope in God. If we look at this, there's multiple generations who hear the Word of God and it's for the purpose that they may put their hope in God and not in man and not in this world. Why do we have a materialistic-minded people in today, even among church people? I tell you, it's because they don't know what God says. They don't have an understanding of the truth. Their dads were materialistic on the inside and piously religious on the outside. Is it any wonder that corruption fills the church? Listen, Paul is saying, I want you to bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. I want them to set their hope in God. That's why we teach our children. That's why we train our children. So that they will set their hope in God and not be overcome with the sorrows and the, and the, and the punishment ultimately in hell that is to come. I think, we need to, I think we need to be clear about this with our children. We can't hide it from them. Because on the day of judgment, all that's going to be exposed. We're going to stand before God and He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Fathers, what did you do with the word I gave you? Did you teach your children? And he'll look to the children and he'll say, did you teach your children? And he'll look to the next generation and did you teach your children? He's purposely doing this so that his children will set their hope in God and that future generations will know this is the God to hope in. The world's going to go to hell. The world's going to be destroyed one day. It's falling apart at a rapid race at a rapid rate already. And our children need to know that their source of hope is God Himself. And they will only know that when we tell them and teach them and live before them as God would have us to live. <clears throat> now notice in verse 8, he says that they would not be like their fathers. The generation that had a stubborn and a rebellious heart. A stubborn and rebellious spirit. A spirit who would not hear the word of God. A spirit who would not come under the truth. Whose heart was not faithful to God, whose spirit was not faithful to God. He goes on to delineate in this chapter what it looked like. These were men that when it came time for them to do their part in overcoming the enemy, they wouldn't 
they wouldn't stand up and do it. They were to supply what needed to be supplied for the, for the enemy. And they were too weak to do it. Listen, Psalm 127 says that the man who's, who's uh, the godly man is like, who has his, 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 his children are like arrows in the hands of a, of a mighty man. His children end up speaking with the enemies in the gates. They're the ones that stand up to the enemies and say, here's what God said, why are you, why are you here? And when you teach your children unapologetically, and you love the Lord your God with your whole heart, you will raise children that love what you love in many ways. They will have, they will catch that fire. And when the enemy comes in, by God's grace, they'll stand up and say, look, here's the line. We're not going to let sin in the church. We're not going to let transgression in our home. We're not going to let the world take over our people. I agree we can't save our children. It's not a guarantee that your children will be saved. I'm not trying to say that. I am saying it is our responsibility to give them the Word of God and that this, this, this passing down the truth will enable them when they are in the place we are. And they are at the place where they need, they're following God with their whole heart, that they will be, have the strength to stand in the, in the gates and speak with the enemies. Well, I want you to know we're either standing in a line of parents who have taught and influenced us for the truth, or maybe we're starting just now. Maybe this is the generation to start. I don't know where you're at this morning. And it really, in a lot of ways, doesn't matter in that sense. Because if God has saved you from a generation of people who were lost prior to you, let's know this. He did it so that you can have a different generation in the future. He did it so that generations to come would set their hope on God. He did it so that He would use you to bring about something different than what was in the past. The admonition to us is the same. That we teach God's Word to our children. We don't, we don't hide it. We, don't, we expose it. He's called all of us who are parents to be the primary human influence of our children's understanding of God and obedience to Him. It is interesting to note that when you ask a child, a, a young man in today's society, what he thinks about God, and then you ask him what he thinks about his father, he will invariably give you the same kind of description of God that he gives of his father. Why is that? Right or wrong, his father was an influence. Right or wrong, his father made an impression on him when he was impressionable. And once that mold was set in his heart, and he went on about his life, he's now in a hardening stage where whatever he thought of God then, he's dealing with now. I want you to know 
It's an awesome responsibility. But it's a responsibility God has promised. He will walk beside us. He will give us His truth. And that's why Paul says this, that to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is simply an outreach of salvation. God's Spirit will be with you to do this work in your home. He's commanding us to teach our children His Word so that they will be preserved from His wrath. In conclusion, let us seek help from the Lord to do this great task that has been given to us. We cannot change the sinful hearts of our children like we cannot change our own sinful hearts. It takes grace from God, but God, the God we serve, is able to change us and He's able to change our, our children. The God we serve is the God of our hope, friends. He will not leave us without answers. He will not leave us desolate. If we are His children, there is hope that we can today start with His Word. We can today begin to tell our children the good things of God. And today, the countenance of His blessing can shine upon us and to our children. That's the heart of Ephesians 6.4. That the same God who provided for our salvation, the same Jesus who paid for our salvation by His own blood, and the same Holy Spirit who applies that salvation to our hearts will give us the ability to teach our children diligently, lovingly, with, a, with an eye to the hope that is in God for them. Well, may God bless each one of you. And as you receive this word, may he give you grace to apply it. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we come before you. It is with joy that we can say, you are our hope, Lord. You are the strength of our life. And we want to cast ourselves before you today. Lord, I pray that anyone here who struggles, as we, have all, as we all struggle, Lord, anyone who needs help, as we all need help, Lord, that your Spirit would minister to them today. That your grace would continue to abound to them and your face would shine upon them. Lord, I pray that you would give them courage to teach your Word and to hold your Word fast to your children. Father, give us grace that we may honor you and obey you in all things. And we want to glorify you. Bless this congregation, Lord. May your face shine upon them. May you keep them. Father, may you give them your word and your spirit this week. In Jesus' name, amen.